we haven't met before, my name is Bill. I'm one of the pastors at Mosaic. And I, I think it's like, especially on a day like today, it's really easy to just sing words uh, and not fully understand the meanings of them or understand the implications of them. Uh, so I want you guys to do a favor with me. What I want you to do is where you're standing, I want you to just close your eyes. Close your eyes because I think in a season like this, uh, if we even just begin to think about like our own bodies, like our hearts are beating a little fast, right? We're breathing a little bit quickly because this season of our life can be a little bit stressful. And so what I want us to do is just, I want us to close our eyes and just take a breath together. And I want you, when I want us, with our eyes closed, to just think about this song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And I, I want us to not just sing the words, but I want us to say the words. So would, when I say the words, would you say them back to me? O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. That's your guys' cue, right? So I'm going to say, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and then you say it back to me, okay? So with our eyes closed, let's really just begin to internalize these words. So, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lowly exile here until the Son of God appears. Rejoice, rejoice. Emmanuel shall come to you, O Israel. All right, you guys can open your eyes. See, at Mosaic, we've been going through this series uh, where we've been looking at some Hebrew words. Does anyone remember what the, what the meaning of the Hebrew word Yisrael or Israel is? Shout it back to me. No one remembers, right? Uh, it's struggle, right? That God meets us in the struggle. That God does his best work in us through the struggle. Does anyone know what the Hebrew word Emmanuel means? Say it out loud. God with us. That God is with us, right? And there's implications to that God with us because I think a lot of times we think of God with us and we see it as God wants to take us on a picnic, right? But when it says God with us, there's actually, uh, it's actually more like war language. No, God is with us, right? Through our struggle, through our pain, through those things that are happening in our lives. No, God is with us. And God is going to take care of those things. And that God came to this earth to destroy sin and to destroy death. It, 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 it's actually war language. And so I wonder, like, this Christmas season... If we're really truly honest with ourselves and where our hearts are at, like, what are those things? Like, at the end of that video, the hands are just being held open. Like, where do we need to just open our hands and say, God, I need you. God, I need you to be with me. I need Emmanuel to come. I need him to come and I need him to be with me now, here in this moment. What is that moment for you? What is that moment in the world that we live in today where you're thinking to yourself, God, we need you to come. We need you to come. Emmanuel, would you please come because these things are messed up. What are those things in your life in the, or in the world today that you're, that's your prayer? 
Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. Because the thing that we need to realize is Emmanuel, it's not just that he shall come, Emmanuel has come. And so what I want us to do, like, to really, like, end this song is make this bold declaration where in our hearts and our minds we say, no, 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 Emmanuel has come, right? So what I want you to do is I'm going to say, Emmanuel has come, and I want you guys to say it back to me, but don't just whisper it, don't just talk it, but I want, I want to actually hear your voices, okay? Because I want us to make this bold declaration today on Christmas Eve that Emmanuel has come. So I'm going to say it. You say it back to me. Emmanuel has come. Emmanuel has come. One more time. Emmanuel has come. Wow. Can we give it up for these guys right here? Woo! That was so good. So good. You guys could have a seat. Could we also give it up for my good friend Grace, who created this beautiful painting for us today? So it's nice night like today that I, I, I'm really curious uh, who's actually here, because you guys are very dark, and there's a lot of you. So I, I want your help with a quick little survey. So uh, by a show of noise, uh, who's kind of been a part of Mosaic for a year or more? All right. Good number. Good number. Who's been sort of part of Mosaic uh, for a year or less? All right. All right. All right. Who here, like, let's see who the brave ones are. Who's, who's their first time ever at a Mosaic gathering? Nice. Well, welcome. We are so glad that you guys are here. Uh, I love Christmas. I love Christmas so, so much. You guys have no idea. I, I can remember... Growing up, I grew up in the Chicago suburbs, and so every year after Thanksgiving, they would start to put decorations on, the, uh, on a lot of the traffic lights. So they'd put, uh, like, snowmen and reindeer and Santa Claus. And I remember just being, as a young kid, just being infatuated with these things. I can remember driving around with my parents and just having my face pressed up against the window, just wide-eyed, open mouth, just gawking at all these uh, signs of Christmas. Why? Right? Because it meant Santa was coming. Right? It meant Santa was coming for me. Uh, I, I remember just like seeing lights and seeing trees and windows, uh, smelling cookies, peanut butter cookies with Hershey Kisses in the middle. Right? Can we give it up for peanut butter cookies and Hershey Kisses in the middle? The greatest Christmas cookie of all time. And for me, like, I remember uh, just uh, my greatest Christmas present I ever got was a Nintendo NES original, right? Anyone ever get that for Christmas, the Nintendo NES back in the day? Oh, man, I loved it so much. I just love, love, love Christmas. The bikes, the video games. And and as I look back on my life, I, I can't remember many Christmases that I didn't like. I just have this great, just like sort of nostalgic experience, uh, just, just thoughts as I think back to all of my amazing Christmases that I've been able to have. Uh, and so every year, I can just remember that I was waiting for signs of Christmas. And every year on Christmas Eve, I couldn't sleep. 
And what I, I'm like, I, I could, would just stay awake all night. And I would tell my brain, like, just go to sleep. Because if you go to sleep, that means that you'll wake up and you'll have presence in the morning. But my body never cooperated. And I just couldn't fall asleep. And I remember just looking out the window as a little kid. And I would see, like, a red light blink across the sky. And I would think, Santa. Because these were the signs of Christmas, that Christmas was coming. Uh, But I've noticed something in my life. The older I get, uh, the more those signs kind of lose its value, kind of lose its meaning. And and what once for me was such a profound sign uh, has kind of begun to drift. The signs went from being pure joy to all of a sudden I see the signs show up in the department stores And then I start to get nervous, right? Because as an adult, what the Christmas season brings is it brings a lot of stress. It brings a lot of anxiety. Uh, You know, our our workload sort of increases because we got to get ready for Christmas break, but then our money decreases. Uh, And it seems like we're always kind of trying to figure out schedules and plans. And I'm sure even now for you in this room... You're thinking about the presents that you need to buy still or didn't buy, the cookies that you need to bake or the food that you need to make. Uh, And so Christmas becomes this season of anxiety. The signs that once meant so much to us have slowly kind of withered into these signs that kind of bring bad tidings of great stress. So I wonder today, how can we recapture Christmas? How can we kind of take hold of those signs that we once held so dear? And how can we become a little bit less Scrooge-like and a little bit more like Tiny Tim? Right? Because no one likes a Scrooge. Am I right? Scrooges are the worst. But for us, right, it's all about recapturing the signs. Recapturing the signs. And so uh, what I mentioned earlier was that uh, was that that name Emmanuel, that name Emmanuel was actually more like war talk. It's war language. So where do I get that from? Am I just making things up? And so we've kind of been at Mosaic, we've got, kind of been looking at like, what's the history of some of these uh, Hebrew words? And how can we see these Hebrew words in the mindset of someone who maybe lived 2,000, 2,500 years ago? And so that name, Emmanuel, actually shows up two times in the Old Testament, both times in this book called the book of Isaiah. And Isaiah, he's a prophet, which means God speaks to him a word that he needs to either tell to the nation or he needs to tell to the king. And so God gave this word to Isaiah for this king, King Ahaz. And I want to read this kind of interaction that he has with Ahaz when we see this name Emmanuel pop up. So Isaiah chapter 7, verse 4, Isaiah goes to Ahaz, and he says, this is what God told me. He says, be careful, keep calm, and don't be afraid. Don't lose heart because of these two smoldering stubs of firewood. Uh, And so what he's actually referring to here is what's happening, sort of the context of what's happening is there's these two nations that are bigger, and they're about to form this alliance to attack. And so everyone's really frightened, everyone's really scared. And so Isaiah gets this word from God that says, Ahaz, you don't have to worry about them. They're just two smoldering stubs of firewood. That's all they are. So God is telling Ahaz, don't worry, I got this. 
right? And then he even goes on to say in chapter 7, verse 11, God says to Ahaz, he says, ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depth or in the highest height. He's saying, ask me for a sign, Ahaz. If you don't believe me, just ask me for a sign. Have you ever wished that God would give you that? (laughs) Ask me for a sign. Ask me for a sign. So God is telling Ahaz, ask me for a sign. And Ahaz actually goes on to say, like, no, I'm good. I don't need a sign. Because he almost sounds pious. He says, oh, I will not put the Lord, my God, to the test. Uh, And it seems kind of, it seems like he's being really spiritual here, but really he's actually just being arrogant because he doesn't want to consult God. He kind of wants to go and do his own thing. Uh, Do you know anyone in your life that seems to be, say, overly spiritual things, uh, but they don't always represent those things that they're saying? I know a few. You're in this room right now. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Maybe, maybe. One thing you have to understand about me and my uh, personality is I only make fun of people that I like, uh, which is one of the reasons why I never make fun of Aaron, our lead pastor. That means that I don't like him. But then I said it. I'm joking with him, so it means I like him, right? (laughs) So then, uh, so Isaiah goes on to tell Ahaz, okay, this this is what God says. And it says, then Isaiah said, hear now, you house of David, it is not enough to try the patience of humans. Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. He will be eating curds and honey when he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. Or before the boy knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, the land of the two kings that you dread will be laid to waste. And so Isaiah, in a nutshell, is basically telling him, look, uh, from the amount of time that it takes for this young woman to conceive a child, give birth, wean the child, and then the child knows how to choose right and reject wrong, these two nations are going to be gone. They're going to be nothing. So God is going to give you that sign that God is with you, and you're supposed to name that kid Emmanuel, because God is with you. God is with us, right? So then we have to be, begin to ask ourselves a question, like, well, I thought this passage was about Jesus, right? Because I've always heard that Isaiah passage was about Jesus, and it is. So then we have to ask ourselves, why does Matthew write about this story, where the angel uses this word, Emmanuel? Why does the angel use that word, Emmanuel, to describe Jesus? Because we have to understand that Matthew, he is writing to a Jewish audience. And so when you read the book of Matthew, you open it up in chapter 1, and people typically go right to this story of Joseph because it's just a genealogy, which is boring, right? But that genealogy to a Jew is very important because it shows that Jesus is from the line of David. And it proves that he will be the king that God promised that was going to come from David's line. That Jesus, this Emmanuel, will be that king. And then immediately goes to this story where Joseph hears from an angel, and the angel says he will be called Emmanuel. Let's read that story. Matthew 1, chapter 20. It says, But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. 
the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. He will be called Emmanuel, God with us. That God is going to show up and God is going to do something big. That there's an enemy and that God is actually going to destroy that thing, right? But it says he will be called Emmanuel. His name won't be Emmanuel. He'll be called Emmanuel. But what is his name? What does the angel say? This is what his name is supposed to be. His name is Jesus. In Hebrew, Yeshua. What does that word mean? That means the Lord saves. So the name Jesus means the Lord saves. Saves from what? Saves from sin. Because if you lived in this context back in Matthew's day, you have this enemy. You're occupied by Rome. And so you want Emmanuel to come, and you want Emmanuel to take over Rome and to get Rome out of here. But what God is saying, he's saying something so profound here. He's saying there's a bigger enemy than Rome. There's a bigger enemy than Rome. Because that empire will come, that empire will go, but there's a bigger enemy. Because Jesus will save his people from their sins. That Jesus will save his people from the thing that is blocking them of this relationship to God because God wants a relationship with you. God wants to be with you. God wants to be with us. See, I think so often we fall into the trap that we need to try to do things to get to God. We need to pray the right prayers. We need to do the right good deeds. We need to say the right things. And so often we fall into the trap that we have to do these things in order to get to God. But there's nothing that you could do that is good enough to get to God, and God knows that. And so Emmanuel, that name, is the bold declaration that there is nothing that you can do to get to God. So God chose to come to us. That God is with us. Emmanuel is not us to God. It's God with us. I wonder today, what are those things in your life? What are those things that feel too big? What are those things that you just, it feels like this empire, it feels like there's this enemy kind of bearing down on you and you have no idea what to do. And maybe that thing that feels like this strong empire in your life in the eyes of God are just smoldering pieces of firewood. See, because when God shows up, he does significant things in our lives and in the world around us. See, in that God, he wasn't going to come and he wasn't going to establish this kingdom through military might. But he was going to do it through his kingdom. He was going to do it through this people. He was going to do it through us. I love what it says in Luke chapter 1, verse 32 and 33. It says, He will be very great, and he will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever, for his kingdom will never end. For his kingdom will never end. So God, his sign to us is Emmanuel. And it's so easy for us to get lost in the Christmas season and have this sign feel like it just loses its value. 
that loses its taste. What started off as this beautiful banquet is like almost food that has sat on our table overnight and it's cold and dry and tasteless. But how can we recapture Emmanuel again? How can we recapture that sign again? See, what we have to realize is that God gave us this sign. But if you were in charge, let's say, of revealing Jesus to the world, that God would take on flesh and that God would uh, have bones and blood and he would actually live among us. If you were in charge of coordinating that event, what would it look like? I know if it was me, it would be big. It would be bold. It would be huge. I would want to call the president. I would want to call everyone so that they knew what was happening. I wouldn't want to tell the world. Like, we'd Facebook Live that thing, right? Like, I'd want everyone to know, but then we have to look at who, who does God proclaim this to? Who does God choose to use in this story? Because it's profound, and he's saying something huge by who he chooses to use in this story. Because he doesn't use rulers. He doesn't use kings. Who does he use? He uses a teenage girl from a know-nothing town. He uses a carpenter. Right? And then, on top of all that, he chooses to be born in a place where animals are kept. And he chooses to lie in a feeding trough. And then after all that, who do the angels visit to proclaim this message to? The outcasts, the pariahs of that society. He chose shepherds. Shepherds. That night, there were sheep staying in the field nearby, guarding the flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel assured them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth to whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which, is, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was a baby lying in a manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened. And what the angel had said about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. And I love this line. But Mary, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. Thought about them often. Why would God choose to use us? <laughs> I think about it. Why, why would God choose to come to this earth? Why would he even care? Do we even understand or realize how big the universe is that we live in? Right? The universe that we live in, the Milky Way galaxy alone, has a hundred billion stars just like ours. And in the universe, there's about 200 estimated billion galaxies. Each one, if they were about the size of ours, has a hundred billion stars, which means that's 21 septillion, 20 septillion uh, suns or stars like our sun in the galaxy, in the, in the universe, right? 
That's a, that's a 20 with 21 zeros after it. There's that many stars like our sun, bigger or smaller, around that size, whatever. The universe is huge in the universe. Like the universe is so big we can't wrap our minds around it. It drives us crazy. I stand on my deck and I look at the moon and I think to myself, that is so far away. I couldn't imagine being an astronaut. I couldn't imagine like stepping on the surface of the moon. When I was a kid, I used to dream about being an astronaut. And I look at the moon and I'm like, that is so far away. But that is nothing. That is nothing. I love uh, what uh, Carl Sagan, he says. Um, I thought I had it on here. Maybe I don't. Uh, but he says we are just, uh, we, are, we, are, we are a dot suspended in a dust of sunbeam. Right? We are just a dot. We are just a dust. And yet God in the midst of this infinite universe, he chooses to come here. You know, God could very easily have created that thing and kind of just sat back and watched from a distance. But God wants to be with us. He wants to be with you. He wants to be with me. And how do we know that? Man, he, he doesn't use rulers and kings only. He chooses the Marys. He chooses the Josephs, and then he proclaims this message to shepherds and outcasts, right, that God was going to do something different, that his kingdom was going to be different than any other kingdom that existed on this world that we know it, and his kingdom isn't come through military might. That war language of God with us, it's not about destroying, but it's about this kingdom of love. It's about this kingdom where we actually love our enemies. It's about this kingdom where we actually serve the poor. It's about this kingdom where we care about the widows, we care about the orphans, and that God chooses these people to do the most amazing thing, that somehow this ragtag group of people created this, started this movement and that through what Jesus accomplished on the cross, that his body broke open and that his blood was spilled so that we could be forgiven of our sins and come into relationship with God again, that God can fully be with us, not just in the flesh, but also in spirit, and that we could live for eternity with him. That there's this beautiful gift that is before us, and there is nothing absolutely nothing you can do to earn that. Right? There's, there's no good deed that you could do to earn that. There's no thing that you can speak to earn that. It's just a gift that is given to you. And all we have to do is to receive that gift. All we have to do is say yes to that gift. Because Emmanuel is the bold declaration that there is nothing that you can do to get to God. But that God has done everything to get to you. Emmanuel is that God is with us. He was with us 2,000 years ago when he became a human. And he's with us today through the power of the Holy Spirit. That Jesus says, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, I am there. So what is it today that you're holding out in your hands? That on this Christmas Eve in 2016, you're going to say, God, I need you to be with me because I don't have a lot of peace right now. I need you to be with me. What is that thing that you can offer him? What is that thing you can just give to him? Because that's the thing about this kingdom is that we can find peace 
We can find shalom, even though we're in the midst of struggle and pain and weakness, is that God chooses to be with us in it all. So I wonder today, what is that thing? What is that thing that you're holding in your hands that you need to just simply let go of? And how do we embrace the sign of all signs? That Emmanuel has come and that God is with us. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you so much that you are not a God who just sits somewhere else observing us from a distance, but you chose to walk among us. You chose to take on flesh and blood and you chose to teach us the best way to live. And then you paid the ultimate sacrifice. And that through your body being broken and your blood spilled on the cross, we can be with you forever. And I pray that as we are in here today, that every single one of us in this room and our hearts and our minds and our soul, we say, God, I want you to be with me. God, I want you to be with me. Jesus, you are my savior. Jesus, you are my king because your kingdom will never end. You will sit on that throne forever. And then what is that thing in the world today that you are just desperate that God, the world needs you. The world needs you to come because there's slavery, there's poverty, there's water crisis. There's things happening all over this earth and there's things happening in Lincoln that we need you here. And we pray, God, be with us. Emmanuel, come. Thank you, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.